Hello world, it's Jason Smith and uh, thank you all for joining as you do every week. I'm really honored and privileged today to have uh, Sean McNeely from Wonderman Thompson and our conversation today is going to cover a lot of the aspects of the uh, mass marketing that we all participate in and the way that the people on the front lines have to interact with it, utilize it and make it grow and I'm just thrilled for Sean being on. Sean, how are you doing today? Jason, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the invite. Good stuff. And so if this is the type of information that you all are looking for and you're trying to make sense of your uh, marketing efforts, stay tuned for today's episode of the Sales Synergistics Podcast. Right. Well, Sean McNeely, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, doing well. Obviously, the world's a little bit different today than uh, than most days, but um, we're managing just fine and, and getting through it. So, yeah, practicing all the, the things the government wants us to practice: social distancing, uh, self isolation, and yet we're still connected, and that's a wonderful thing. And how are you guys faring with that? Really well, uh, you know, technology platforms I, that we're leveraging are instrumental in our ability to stay connected, to collaborate. Um, you know, we are using, you know, uh, the world has kind of embraced Zoom or Teams or, you know, various, um, you know, video conferencing systems that really offer a lot more functionality than just that. So between file sharing, screen sharing, um, you know, calendar, you know, updates that are, are much smoother, chat functionality, BTCing and calling it just it, it it's seamless and it's helping us a lot you know maintain uh, not just our our sense of connection to one another but to the work. I want to ask a couple of questions if I may about the work you actually do for your clients right you're sure. part of this mass marketing effort one of the five rings of the sales synergistics concept and as we talked about uh, when you looked at the, the materials and, and things uh, the work that I've been putting out uh, blending and blurring those lines between sales and marketing because it's blurred in the minds of the customer, right? All your marketing materials are sales efforts in their minds. You know, I think that the mass marketing piece is so critical that it's tightly aligned with what the sellers are saying and doing. You know, how important is the work that Wonderman Thompson does? How important is the work that, the, that Wonderman Thompson does to the sales process nowadays? Yeah, I, when you consider um, what is the engine that drives growth, it is ultimately happening uh, at a transactional level between you know the, the sales arm and the and the buyer. So the seller and the buyer are are driving that growth, and that's how it's going to get measured. That's where you actually see it, you know, on a um, you know on a on a financial ledger. But when when you have that as your, your primary indicator of performance or of success, then the efforts that are contributing to that um, go well beyond, you know, just that one interaction. That interaction, you realize, you know, from the classic marketing funnel is the result of a pretty incredible journey that the buyer, the, the, the consumer, has gone through uh, to, um, you know, experience the brand, to understand uh, at various touch points that they have access to the brand, whether that's through mass channels or very personalized channels, 
through new technology channels or platforms, social media, uh, mobile apps, um, through digital experiences that they might be, you know, interacting with that brand, that you've fostered an impression and a perception of, of what this product that the brand is selling can do for the individual in their life. And that ultimately is accumulation of experiences that leads to that moment of decision and that moment of purchase. And then hopefully once purchased moment of, you know, retaining belief in the brand or in the product and ultimately advocating for it and helping grow sales themselves, um, Mm -hmm. you know, through the, through the consumer experience. So our job is to make sure that we're accurately mapping that experience out for most of our brands. Um, a lot of most of our consumer brands, that's that's central to what Wonderman Thompson does is really focus on the consumer experience and developing ideas along the way. It's interesting. You used a, a popular buzzword right now uh, directly in the context of, of mass marketing, which is uh, consumer experience. Right. And I think a lot of people talk about consumer experience on the operation side. What is mm-hmm. the customer service team, which, in my opinion, should be an arm of sales as well. Uh, what are they doing on the operation side to make sure that the user experience is, is getting the promises that the sellers made after the sale, but you're talking about it from a mass marketing perspective and how does sure. your, your branding efforts and the things that you all do uh, contribute to the experience that the consumer gets? Well, everybody, you know, the beauty of this job is that everybody themselves is a consumer on some level. And so when you walk in and say that, you know, you're, uh, you're in this business of trying to relate brands to consumers in an effort to increase sales and growth and profitability and all those things. You've got some experience right off the bat being being a consumer yourself. But so do the clients, and so does everybody else you're trying to sell these ideas to. Yeah. Um, so when you walk into a into a store, um, you think, okay, your experience with a brand as a consumer, you might just be thinking about that moment where it's right in front of you and you're considering that decision to, to pick it up off the shelf and put it either into your card or take it straight to the, to the cash register. And I think for the most part, what, what we would offer is that there are not infinite, but many, many experiences and moments and interactions and opportunities prior to that, um, that we want to make sure are as, clean and consistent and uh, in aggregate building towards your likelihood to actually complete that transaction when you're in that moment of, of purchase. So whether you're at a gas station on the shell as one of our clients, you know, if we're thinking about, you know, how is the brand experience, you know, at the pump and what is the consumer experience at the pump? And is that driving incremental sales mm-hmm. inside the gas station themselves? Are we doing things at the pump um, to promote somebody's interest and willingness to go inside and increase sales op- opportunities for that particular gas station? Um, you know, that's part of the experience. When you walk in, are things labeled clearly? Uh, you know, is it? It's it's very much a UX mindset applied. Um, to how a consumer walks through their life uh, relative to the brand. And we try to find opportunities where we can insert ourselves, you know, organically and in an interesting and compelling ways. And in the places where they naturally expect us that it's consistent and clean and, and additive to their overall impression of what the brand or the product that we're, that we're positioning. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so that they're they're believing in that product or service. That's largely you know the consumer experience mindset that that we employ, and we've got just an incredible arm of specialists who would speak much more clearly and eloquently to it, um, you know, within the agency team. But it's just a, it's a it's a central part of what Wonderman Thompson offers its corporate and consumer clients. Well, that's awesome. I I, I listen to you talk about that, and uh, what comes to mind is maybe the the Home Depot. Uh, their commercials, you know, this was a whole lot of people building stuff for a while, and now their ads are really focusing on uh, incorporating people in the stores, you know, buying stuff in the stores, talking to that guy in the orange apron. You know, it's not that they're trying to sell this uh, dream about building a treehouse with your kids, and there's lots of pictures of that, but they're making sure they're incorporating images that show the experience that the customer is going to have. This is what it's like coming into the store and buying something from Home Depot and people can see that in the ads and that's reflected of the experience that they're going to have. And, and that I guess feeds into what they bring when they walk into the store, you know, they carry right. that image that they see yeah. into the experience because they've seen the experience portrayed in the mass marketing. So it's helping their, their user experience by priming that, that customer's expectations. That's a big part of it, and, and if we can introduce new ways to experience that even further once they're in the store, um, you know, not just through things that, uh, you know, for the last decade, two decades, you know, since stores have been around, you know, the expectations of product placement or shelving or, you know, any of those things, but instead, you know, taking advantage of technology and opportunities to, uh, how do you interact in the store, you know, with a mobile app from the store that could help expedite or, you know, um, increase the, the the effectiveness or the efficiency of your overall shopping experience. You know, if you're uh, in your Home Depot example, if there was an opportunity to, you know, open up the Home Depot app, knowing which store you're at, knowing obviously, you know, where all the products are in the shelf placement, that's helpful. But maybe there are maps to, you know, develop the the, the simplest route for you to take so you can minimize the amount of time you're in the store so you can get back home to working on the project that you're really, that's really why you're in the, in the store in the first place is to get what you need to get back and fix, finish fixing your, your DIY project. So there are things that we can help create opportunities that we can identify and then solutions that we can propose throughout that. And, and ultimately it all helps the sales arm, um, you know, by just get priming people to your point. And that's a good word. I mean, that's effectively what, you know, what we believe we, we do mm -hmm. is you prime people to, to buy, promote, um, you know, action, and not just attitudes, but behaviors as well. Thank you for a little bit of insights about Wonderman Thompson. Uh, let's learn a little bit more about you, sir. There's a lot of time that we spent together. Just so you know, I want to brag a little bit about Sean and Wonderman Thompson. They've been huge supporters of the veteran community in Atlanta and abroad. And I'll let you give that little gem about uh, your, your number one client there uh, to respect you and, and admire you as much as I do. So can you please share a little bit about your background and what you do for Wonderman Thompson? Well, thanks, Jason. I you know, feel the same about you. It's been a tremendous honor to be part of four block and, and to work with uh, and partner with that organization. Um, you know, we do support as a, one of our longest standing clients, um, we've got a 70-year relationship with the United States Marine Corps, and um, we're the agency of record and have been for, for those seven decades, and I've been on the business for the past 12 years now. It's been a 
you know, the honor of my lifetime to really work on that and, and lead that business for Wonderman Thompson. Um, and the team that uh, works and supports uh, the, the account at the agency is just, it's world-class and being part of that organization and being part of that team. Uh, it's, it's just a thrill. So I've, I've been in advertising. Uh, I started, you know, in advertising uh, a long time ago, all the way back in, in 1998. And the truth of the matter is I kind of an anomaly probably in the, in the industry. A lot of people jump around and go from shop to shop and um, work a lot of different pieces of business. And, and I really haven't. Um, I've worked for the same company, uh, the same agency. I'm part of what, you know, I, my background in, in understanding how to support sales organizations like Ford, you know, we really spent a lot of time dealing with, uh, you know, the, what they call the tier two automotive category where yeah. um, most of the advertising effort was really focused on driving conversion and sales mm-hmm. and, and supported brand efforts, but really trying to find those synergies. And now on the flip side, you know, kind of leading the brand effort on the Marine Corps side, but working with those recruiters, the sales force, you know, at that essentially the equivalent to a tier two level um, to ensure that the strategies that we're employing, you know, help drive conversion and and support their efforts. So uh, that's been my world. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a little bit different journey than than most in this business, um, but it's been you know, immensely enjoyable. And, and again, the people I get to work with, both within the agency and on the client side, uh, it's been tremendous. You know, we're a, a collaborative business. Wonderman yeah. Thompson is a, as a, as a marketing uh, engine, you know, we are part, um, you know, agency, part uh, technology company, part consultancy. And, and, and that, that framework um, is dependent, you know, in order for us to, to bring it to life, it's dependent on us, you know, staying connected and collaborating with one another. And, and we've been able to do that really well. That's excellent. And as you all do this work of building these experiences for your customers uh, and for their clients, do you, do you see a difference between your clients who bring in collaborative uh, support from the sales team versus those that don't? I know a lot of times you'll meet with just the marketing agency, but do you see a difference between mm-hmm. bring sellers with them to meet with you and plan and collaborate versus those that don't. Yeah. Well, the Marine Corps is the best example of that. You know, when, when we bring in, when we bring in folks who, um, nobody joins the Marine Corps to get into marketing. And yet there's this entire world, uh, within recruiting that is still marketing dependent and heavy. And so, you know, uh, recruiting is a B billet for, for most Marines who are on recruiting duty. Um, which means it's not their primary MOS not their primary military occupational specialty or job. It's their, it's their, you know, the thing that they do on their, you know, in between their, their real MOS, whether it's infantry or aviation maintenance or you name it, whatever it could be. So when they're on recruiting duty, they've got, they've got to learn how to do this. They've got to learn how to be salespeople. And, you know, the organization has to give them support training and tools throughout that process to be as effective as possible. And part of that is um, learning from, from us what we do and how we do it. And, and for what's so critical for us is learning what the very best recruiters do and how they're effective so that we can take that bottoms-up approach and apply it to the recommendations that we make. We don't have ideas that are just top-down pushed. They have to be bottom-up and bubbled up. 
so that we ensure that we're, we're meeting the needs of the sales organization, you know, 3,500 recruiters out on recruiting duty in very different conditions across the country, very different communities across the country, um, but also to ensure that what we're, what we're helping them is take messaging that the institution is driving and, and, and developing it in such a way that it becomes useful messaging and useful um, sales pitch material uh, for their actual uh, recruiting efforts. So we're, we sit right in the middle, you know, where we have to make sure that our, our message is, is at a brand level institutionally correct and at a, at a, at a sales level that, that we are supporting them with um, materials, that we're supporting them with the tools that they say they need. Um, for example, I worked with dealers in Alabama and Georgia and the, you know, great salt of the earth people who, you know, there were 154 at the time. And you're not talking about just in cities, you're talking about in very small towns, some dealers who didn't sell, you know, more than 50 a year, 50 new units a year in some cases. And, and so small dealers, large dealers, and large was relative by comparison to some dealers that were in you know, big metro areas across the country. And when at a national level would come out with new advertising, particularly around um, their SUV lineup, you think about what an SUV is. An SUV is a glorified you know, minivan in some ways in terms yeah. of its practical use. Yeah, but minivans have a stigma attached to them. People don't look at those and say, "Look at me, rugged Mr. Rugged Individualist," you know, buying a minivan. The SUV offered that alternative. They put you in a different mindset. It gave you the belief that you were experiencing, you know, life a little bit differently than those who were stuck to the confines of their, you know, their their minivan with their kids and their soccer mom duties and their, you know, all that stuff. And they went so far as to think, well, maybe we can, you know, put little, almost like, you know, really develop stores within the, the dealerships that kind of look like an REI almost, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that kind of personify that. We'll put the vehicle right in the center. It'll be beautiful. And the national advertising that came out, you know, was very much focused on, you know, the kind of the tropes of what rugged individualism and exploration and, and the great outdoors looks like. Big Rocky Mountains, snow-capped peaks, you know, splashing through mountains in the, or rivers in the Pacific Northwest, just all of those things. And the dealers in Alabama and Georgia were like, we're not having it. Huh. That's not what we need to advertise. What we need to, that doesn't look like our region. That's not what we want. You know, I know when people come in to buy an SUV in our showroom, that what we sell the lady, we sell the mom, the wife, we sell her, we say this, how many groceries it fits, and that's what she needs to know. And so there's a fundamental tension that exists between sales and marketing. Um, the fundamental tension that exists between sales and marketing uh, is that what, what marketing is saying at a national level and what sales say to close the deal don't always line up exactly. Um, but they don't have to. It, 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 they, you, you don't have to make so many concessions to make sure that it's a seamless proposition because there's a you're, you're talking – to customers or consumers at different stages in the process. Brand advertising is meant to draw people in and get them to think about it in a different way, that brand or the product or the service that they have. And the salespeople have to actually take it a step further and get them to, to get that transaction to happen, get them to buy. 
Mm-hmm. So I, the, the point I made back to those Alabama you know, dealers, I said, you're right. You, that is how you're going to sell it. That's how you're going to close the deal. But they will never walk in the showroom if you advertise this thing as a grocery getter. It won't happen. So what gets people in to the sales funnel and what ultimately gets them to buy can, can be two different things. And you want to try to make that tension you know, as reduced and relaxed as possible, but you have to understand that it exists. And it's okay for us to say something at the national level. And it's okay for us to say something a little bit different at the sales level, as long as there's a cohesive line of thought between all of it. So our mission and our job is to make sure that we support them with that. And um, we, have to listen to, we have to listen to them to do that. And we have to give them the support they need, the air cover they need through the national brand advertising and, and, and marketing strategies that we, we adopt to support the institution. To apply that same process to like the Marine Corps in recruiting, the Marines proudly say they don't sell tangible benefits. You know, the Army will sell money for college and the Army will sell, you know, bonus money. They will sell skills training. Yeah. Those are things that benefit the individual in a very tangible way. Yeah. And the Marine Corps doesn't sell, you know, those, those tangible benefits, you know, at a, at a brand level. They sell the intangibles, the pride of belonging, you know, maybe you can be one of us, the few, the proud, the Marines. It's, it's that notion, you know, that you're joining a select group of people. Um, and those are intangible benefits, but recruiters absolutely have to field questions from parents and from kids about, well, how much am I going to be paid? What will my job be? You know, what kind of skills will I learn? That's part of it. Nobody's going to buy on the intangibles alone, but they might get interested in the intangibles and then understand that the details matter too. And that's where salespeople, I think really drive the, you know, the, the, that through line, they're the ones who have to connect that. So we bring them in, you know, we have sales media review boards, you know, take a look at all the products that we've created for you. What, you know, what works, what doesn't, you know, they have to be updated. We've got a new crop of recruiters on the street. We have new technologies and platforms that they're adopting. Do we have to, you know, leverage some new social media platform based on the way they're using it today or the way the prospects that they're trying to recruit are using it today do we need to develop new materials that are based on different conditions you know where are the gaps they they provide and drive a lot of that so yeah absolutely i think marketing informed by sales is essential oh brilliant brilliant I, I, this just begs the question i i'm curious because i'm in a similar consultative role uh as a sales coach and trainer uh, developing the right solutions for, for people that are trying to do a, a, a growth op project with their sales team. Uh, how is it that you all sell your Wonderman Thompson solutions? What is the process that you all take your message to the streets and, and bring people through their buying process and their decision process? Yeah, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's the, the, the realm of our, of our growth officers, our new business development teams. Um, and, and where they spend a lot of their time and focus is, you know, um, identifying opportunities, you know, for, with, uh, with the types of businesses that we want to work on that we believe our solutions would help benefit and support. And so there's proactive outreach. There's, uh, obviously, um, you know, we react to RFPs and, and, and solicitations that are, that are dropping in front of us. We work with recruiters, uh, folks who are, you know, representing um, business interests as they're looking for new agencies for a project or or agency of record support. 
So there are a number of ways that we'll do that, but ultimately it's about trying to find the right fit for, you know, the, the services that Wonderman Thompson specializes in and, and offering them in such a way to, to folks to say, this, this can help you. We have a, a number of products, a number of solutions that are tailored uh, to help drive growth. And, and we can, we have a proven track record of that. And we have that across a number of different lines of business. There's not just one way to drive growth. It's not just the Wonderman Thompson way, so to speak, isn't yes. something that's written in stone. It, it's, it's about listening. It's about making sure that we're um, understanding what the client's needs are and we're applying the best solution tailored from these range of specializations and products and experts that we have at our disposal to focus on their need. So it, it's starting with, you know, people who are, you know, who are either expressing a need or who we've identified as, I, I think this is their problem. And I think we have an answer and we should be proactive in approaching them with, right. with an idea. It's an ideas business at the end of the day. And you've got to have a good idea, which means you've got to have a good framework for understanding what, what, what the business challenges are for the clients that ultimately you're going to work with are. Sounds like a very selective sales process that, seems to ghost the idea of uh, very highly qualified, highly skilled sellers. Is that probably right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, growth doesn't happen because you stumble into it. It's, it's, it's something that you have to, you have to work at and it takes people who are exceptionally skilled at that. Uh, and we've got some of the best. Excellent. Well, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And I'll, I'd like to end with uh a question I tend to ask a few people. Uh, I think I know the first one because uh, the industry you're in of advertising has been portrayed by the media as one of the sexiest jobs in the world. You know, <laughs> all, the, all the way from the Don Drapers back to every other, you know, uh, '90s movie that was out there. You know, the, the lead guy was in yeah. advertising, right? So I ask yeah. you this: uh, What made you start in this career that you're in now, and why are you still here? Yeah, well. It's funny. I mean, I think you're right. I, you know, especially growing up, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm somebody who grew up in the eighties and nineties and there were a lot of movies about advertising, especially back in that day. And, you know, more recently, obviously you've got Mad Men, as you mentioned, Jason, but um, it just always seemed like a fun job. And my first real understanding and exposure to it, um, you know, happened pretty early on in, in a more formal way, not just as a consumer of advertising but in seventh grade i had a teacher who you know put a program together you know in her curriculum and for two weeks we pretended we were an advertising agency and i loved to write i loved creative writing and i loved to draw and that's what we kind of did is just made ads you know um used a clever line uh you know, whether it was a pun or a hook or whatever i just i was kind of intrigued by that i thought it was fun to do that and i was uh, just taken with it from that point on the idea that I might do this. Um, when I got into college and I pursued a degree in advertising, I thought I'd, I'd be a writer. And my last class in, 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 in the university was, uh, was a campaigns class where you really do act as though you're an agency with a group of students. And I saw pretty clearly that there were other people who were more skilled at that than I was, but what I was good at was kind of bringing everybody together and acting as a team. And uh, it was really still, it's one of the seminal moments I've got in my life is just that group of people and that effort that we put together. We had a, an incredible final semester that I was really proud of the work that we did. And it just, it drove me into this, into this lane that I'm in now. And 
I think it's, it's still the reason I'm here is because I get to work with people that are creative and collaborative and of different backgrounds, different cultures, different walks of life, who, as long as they have the right work ethic, as long as they've got the right commitment, not only to the, to the client's business, but to each other and helping each other get through, you know, solving some of these problems, we do great work that we can be really proud of. And uh, to me, that's the team dynamic that I've got uh, that has always kind of kept me in the game the way that, that I am today. So it's been consistent and uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Excellent. And this conversation has been a lot of fun too. Shaman Ely, thank you so much for your time today. And I can't wait to talk to you again in the near future. You have a great day. Jason, thanks so much, man.